So I've been speaking during this series about mercy and forgiveness, primarily focusing upon forgiveness. But I'd be remiss if I didn't at least speak once about mercy as action. Uh, Mercy as action for and with the poor. I once heard Mother Teresa in the cathedral in Canberra sharing such a resounding truth that struck my heart. These are her words. At the end of life, we'll not be judged by how many diplomas we've received, how much money we've made, how many great things we've done. We'll be judged by the words of Jesus, I was hungry and you gave me to eat. I was naked and you clothed me. I was homeless and you took me in. And she said, hungry not only for bread, but hungry for love. Naked not only for clothing, but naked of human dignity and respect. Homeless not only for want of a room of bricks, but homeless because of rejection. This is Christ in the distressing disguise of the poor. It struck me how she emphasised hungry for love, negative human dignity and respect, rejection. These are many of the deep wounds in our society at this time, I think. Many people lonely, feeling hopeless, dejected, without anyone to share. So Christ in the distressing disguise of the poor. So Jesus identified, didn't he, with the hungry, the thirsty, the naked, the homeless, the sick, those in prison. They are our people because they are Christ. We meet him there. They belong to the church then in a special way. Even if uh, you know, they don't profess the faith, they still are our people. Pope Francis uh, says it this way. He says, sometimes we are tempted to be that kind of Christian who keeps the Lord's wounds at arm's length. Yet Jesus wants us to touch human misery to touch the suffering flesh of others. So what matters most then is um, each individual person's need. We meet the person, we meet Christ in the distressing disguise of the poor, to use Mother Teresa's phrase. He's disguised, as it were, but he is there. Remember Mother Teresa speaking in another venue when... um, Uh, She was telling us about one of her sisters who was finding it difficult to encounter Christ in the distressing disguise of the poor because they were going out into the streets of Calcutta and lifting people up and taking them to the house of the dying. And this sister was having struggle, you know, to really, how can I meet Christ there? All I see is something terrible and, and it distresses me. So Mother Teresa said to her, well, look, At Mass tomorrow morning, uh, when the priest takes hold of the host, just watch how he gently and carefully and caringly holds that host. And she said, 
when you go out to meet people, just remember that you're holding the same Christ. So that night, the young woman came back to the convent, very excited, because she had been to the streets, she picked up this man who had been really uh, deeply um, uh, affected by all sorts of uh, diseases. She'd taken him to the house of dying, and she washed his, 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 him and cared for him and looked after him. And she said, I, I discovered, because it's the same Christ. The one that I love in the Eucharist is the same Jesus that I found in this man. So she's very excited, you know. And that's a, a bit of a revelation for each of us, isn't it? You know, that uh, there's a bit of a conversion that needs to happen in our hearts in this way. Because oftentimes uh, we can be a bit sort of um, standoffish and a bit sort of shy and, and sometimes sort of even um, off-put in a de- profound way by people who might smell a bit, be <laughs> difficult to get on with, uh, people who are just sort of obnoxious in some way or another, and not find Jesus there because we're a bit sort of uh, distracted by that. I want to tell you this too about Lawrence the Deacon. Have you heard about Lawrence the Deacon? Like here in his day in the early church, he was in charge of the um, distribution of the food to the poor in Rome. And um, that was his job. Uh, his bishop Sixtus, uh, during a persecution, was being taken off to be put to death. And as Sixtus was going and Lawrence was following him behind, oh, Father, what am I going to do without you? What am I going to do without you? And Sixtus turned to him and said, don't worry, you'll be following me in three days. <laughs> so I'm predicting his martyrdom in three days' time. So Lawrence knew he had three days. So he decided to do something special. He told the Roman prefect, who was sort of the one in charge of all these um, killings, he, he said, um, I, I want you to come in three days' time to uh, the square and I'll bring to you the treasures of the Catholic Church, all the treasures of the Catholic Church. And the prefect said, that's a good deal. Okay, so he, he came thinking that this Lawrence was going to sort of give him all these treasures to sort of win, win his, his, him on, on his side. And um, uh, so when he arrived, he got a bit of a shock, this uh, prefect, because all he could see was all the riffraff of Rome, all the poor and the shabbily dressed people and the raucous and loud and, uh, people. And uh, he looks around and um, he's astounded. He says to Lawrence, um, where are the treasures of a church? You promised you'd give me the treasures of a church. And Lawrence said, here they are. These are the treasures of a church. Well, of course, um, the Roman prefect was not very impressed. <laughs> he ended up taking Lawrence off to be martyred as well. But, of course, that's the truth, isn't it? These are the treasures of the church. Pierre Giorgio Frassati in Turin, only a young man. He died at the age of 24 years of polio. At his funeral, his family, who were quite a wealthy family, were shocked at the number of people who turned up to his funeral. And most of them were uh, poor uh, people who the, his family had never even met. And there were great emotional scenes at the, at the funeral. 
a family, his father was a wealthy newspaper magnate and uh, they had no idea that their son, who was a fun-loving man, and, uh, but he, was, he had another love in his heart that they didn't know about. Uh, he'd go out uh, quietly at night and um, use some of his father's money, mind you, uh, to um, give to the poor and look after the poor, working with St Vincent de Paul primarily, visiting the homes of Turin's poor, um, you know, bringing food, clothing, money, uh, helping to find accommodation, making sure they got health care, that sort of thing. Now this was a young man who also had a great love for climbing mountains and um, geology and photography, and uh, he had a girlfriend as well. He was quite an um, you know, ordinary young guy, but something that touched his heart. Uh, he said that Jesus comes to me every morning in Holy Communion because he was a regular uh, mass goer every day. Jesus comes to me every morning in Holy Communion, and then I go to meet him in the poor. He says, the house that I go into may be sordid, but I'm going to Christ. So he had the same experience, huh? The greatest joy uh, uh, was giving to others, not obtaining things. His father gave him many gifts, and every time he'd get the gifts from his father, it'd be handed on to the poor. The polio that killed him actually was contracted during his visits to the poor. And even on his deathbed, he was giving instructions about medicine for the sick man and another one that needed to renew his insurance policy and things like that. So he was a man who had a great love for life, found Christ in music, found Christ in art and poetry and high mountains because he loved to climb mountains. But most of all, he found Christ in the distressing disguise of the poor. And again, it's a witness to us, isn't it? That this, we know deep within ourselves that this is the truth. Yet sometimes it's difficult for us to actually take hold of it. Pope Francis warns us that we can become indifferent to the plight of the poor. So early in his pontificate, he visited the island of Lampedusa in the Mediterranean Sea because at that time there were a lot of refugees taking sort of flimsy boats across the Mediterranean trying to get to Italy to Lampedusa on this small island and most of them didn't make it. Many perished in the sea. And in the homily, uh, which really touched me and many others I know, um, Pope Francis hits out at this indifference he says, has anyone grieved for the death of our brothers and sisters, those that perished in the sea? Has anyone grieved for young mothers carrying their babies who perished? For these men who were looking for a way to support their families and were desperate, taking such desperate measures? You see, he was challenging the culture of comfort, which breeds indifference. Oh, it doesn't affect me. It doesn't concern me. It's none of my business. We've all got that in us, haven't we? He says we are a society which has forgotten how to weep, how to experience compassion, how to be in touch with the suffering of others. He talks about the globalization of indifference. It's taken away from us our ability to weep. 
Yes, I guess we think of the, the Jesus' story of the rich man, young man who you know, clothed in purple and eating sumptuously every day, and the poor man Lazarus is at his doorstep, really, at his gate, uh, and the man walked past him every day, probably, but didn't even notice him. He was indifferent to his plight. And this poor man, Lazarus, would have loved to have even um, just the scraps from the master's table. And the dogs would come and lick his sores. But it was indifference that was in the heart of this um, man, uh, rich man. Uh, and of course, at the end, of course, he, he was perished in hell uh, because he had not met with love. It's a wake-up call, isn't it? Um, the, the, the satisfactions that we get all the time in our uh, overly um, provided society, it dulls the mind and it, it hardens the heart. We don't want to share what we have. huh? I was shocked a little bit myself, um, and we need these salutary shocks, don't we? Uh, I had the opportunity of being in Uganda at one time a couple of years ago, and we went out to a refugee camp. And, and this ref- we brought with us a lot of uh, food. We had sacks of, of maize in particular. Uh, and, and we also brought boxes and boxes of clothes. And we thought we were doing really well. When we arrived there, there were so many people. They were all lining up and they, they got the uh, women who were, had small children or the women who were pregnant to come first and and then the frail and uh, elderly to come. Uh, and, but there just wasn't enough food. And, and there wasn't enough clothing either. And, and in the middle of it all, I started to weep. And, and that even ma- made it even worse when some of the children, were, were the maze had all gone, but some of it had fallen on the ground. And I saw children picking it up in the dust from the ground. And... Um, and others coming up and saying, is there more, is there more? Uh, and just realising uh, the situation that many people in the world live in, and that we, of course, are indifferent to this to a great degree and need to be shaken out of that. When you think that one-third of the world is consuming 85% of the world's resources, the, the, the other two-thirds are, are deprived. And when you consider that the, the richest 1% in the world earn half of the world's financial resources. So there's such a level of inequality that the Pope is drawing our attention to. And I think of that text from John Chrysostom that sort of haunts me sometimes. It's in the, it's in the Catechism. And it says, Not to enable the poor to share in our goods is to steal from them and deprive them of life. The goods we possess are not ours, but theirs. So this is the Catholic teaching of universal destination of all goods uh, that we can forget, and that we're meant to be sharing the goods that we have in the whole world. But unfortunately, the way the world is structured at the moment, the way the economy is structured, the way that our hearts are, are disposed, I guess, is that there's a great inequality. So what can we do is the question. Uh, it's not just a matter of feeling, but 
of doing mercy. Uh, Jesus um, was teaching this to his disciples, I think, when um, uh, on the seaside there, of the shore of the Sea of Galilee. He was telling, you know, that he'd been teaching people, uh, and then the disciples said, look, um, uh, it's getting late, there's not enough food, what are we going to do? Maybe tell the people to go and buy some food from the farms and the villages around. And Jesus says to the disciples, give them something to eat yourselves. And there were 5,000 men, not to mention the women and children. Huh? Uh, and Jesus said, how much do you have? They said, well, it's five loaves and two fish. And he said, bring them to me. So they brought what they had. And then he told the disciples to start feeding the people. And as they were feeding the people, more and more just kept coming. The miracle happened at the hands of the disciples. So Jesus was teaching them something. Always be ready to give bread to the hungry. Come to Jesus with what little they have and then do what he commands. So maybe there's something in that for all of us that we can really uh, listen to in a new way. Uh, that Yes, there is a way in which all can be fed. There is a way that all can be cared for. There's a way that the poor can be met and, and be loved. The problem is in the human heart. Huh? Your heart and my heart has to expand more. Oscar Romero, um, one of the great um, uh, men who really cared for the poor, um, Archbishop of uh, El Salvador, when he wanted to explain what the option for the poor meant, he says, think of a building on fire and watching it burn. And then you're watching this fire burning and someone says, your mother and your sister are inside the building. Would you go to rescue them, you see? What would you do? You'd do anything to rescue them, huh? So he say, don't look uh, at poverty from the outside, but experience it as your people in distress, your people who are precious, who are being burnt up. You'll do anything to alleviate their distress, huh? It's been good for my heart to visit uh, our mission in Manila, in the Philippines, where there's a squatter settlement uh, called Payatas. Until recently, many of the people lived off what they picked up from the rubbish dump. Uh, and it's still one of the poorest squatter settlements in, uh, in the world, really, where people are living often in very squalid and overcramped conditions limited access to water and food. Uh, so it's good to just for me just to walk through the narrow alleyways of the slum. It's good for the soul uh, to meet an elderly man sitting on a box outside his shanty asking for prayer and, and glad to receive the food we've brought too, of course. But it's an encounter with Jesus. Huh? This man uh, may not be regular at Mass, but he's one of our people. He belongs especially to the Lord, huh? and hence to us. It's not that I have all that much to give him, although I do share with him the rice uh, and some foodstuffs, but it's rather that he ministers to me. With his crooked smile and his shining eyes, his shabby attire and his twisted leg, and my spirit soars 
because I have met Jesus this day in the distressing disguise of the poor. So as we end this series, I want to thank you for um, being part of it. And maybe let's pray for one another. Let's pray that our heart will really be softened and opened up in mercy. Yes, mercy to forgive others, to forgive our enemies, to forgive those who have hurt us. And mercy that will lead us into action at times too, where we'll be able to see and feel and experience Christ hungry, Christ thirsty, Christ in prison, Christ in need, Christ needing shelter, Christ calling upon us to meet him in the distressing disguise of the poor. Bless his name.